Hey mambo, mambo italiano. Hey mambo. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome uh, back, boys. How you doing? Uh, not bad, you. Yeah, all good, mate. All good. Glad to see. Not Glad dying. Nice on the sound of that. Oh, mate, it's beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. I'm at Arsenal's football, isn't it, James? Oh, <laughs> just about over it. Just about. Yeah. Yeah, it's about 24 hours, isn't it? We're not, we're not even reached that yet. Yeah, that's, that's the cure. I, I just knew from when David Luiz was going to come on that he'd be up to his usual tricks. Oh, he's such a brilliant buyer. clown. Eight million. Such a great buyer, wasn't it? When do we learn, eh? Chat. <laughs> Galas. David Luiz. next, apparently. I've heard that as well. Can you imagine? Blimey. I would love it. Agent Chelsea, that's what they are. They're... Double O Chelsea. Come to sabotage Arsenal. Don't even need to sabotage Arsenal, really. Just to make them worse. Do you reckon David Luiz is going to sign another contract? I hope not. I hope they, they don't give him any paper. Because he, he does not deserve it. <laughs> is, is the football still on? Are we not going to have another break from it? You uh, could, could hear the depression in his voice. This yeah. must be—it must be so horrible being an Arsenal fan, isn't it? Just like at the moment, he's given up already. It's been one game on the, off, off the return, and it was against Man City. I Jesus know. So even like it was a bad team or anything, he's basically yeah. taken an Arsenal fan TV with his reactions here. He has been on Arsenal fan TV for you know, poor kid. No? A long Jack. time ago now. Yes. Don't worry, mate. It'll get better if you change teams. You know, come on. Right. Went on to Napoli, beating Juve last week in the final against Don Sari. I think his days are numbered as well. You reckon think yeah. so? Yeah. But they will win the league, won't they? Well, they might not actually. Lazio are quite close. I suppose. They're about right. to point out. If they, if they um, lose that league, then that's it. They're done, mate. And he's, he's done as well. And yeah. Ronaldo, he'll be off to America or somewhere else. Well, I did see that Chelsea were in for him for 120 million, but we'll, we'll skip past that. But yeah, well done, Napoli. Quite fitting, considering what we're doing today, Jack. I've given it away again, as ever. I, you, I don't them. think you have, because no one is going to know what you were singing there. <laughs> it's apparently Mamba Italiano. You don't have style, boys. Trust me. You don't have style. You don't have Dean Martin. My old man, he no, was Martin. I, I don't know what you were singing there, though. But um, <laughs> on on that topic, it's it's Italiano. It's the top ten best Italian footballers of all time. See, beautiful stuff, beautiful stuff. Right, we're going to start with Tom. You've got number ten, mate. Well, just before I do number ten, I'm going to give my honourable mentions. Uh, a lot of these players are from when I've been alive. I've got on my list. So honourable mentions are going to be Zola, which no doubt, Jordan, you're going to put on. Um, I've got Ravanelli. I've got Toldo, uh, Zambrotta. Oh, Toldo. Yes, do you remember him? Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah. I picked that one out of the bag. And my last honourable mention is a Palace player who was here for one year only. It was Attila Lombardo. I had to get him in. Honourable mention there. Oh, do you know what? The eagle. My dad uh, mentioned the other day, I told him we're going to do this podcast, and he mentioned the other day that Tom should put him in. He's number 10. You just missed that. I'm afraid. 
I'm afraid my number. My, this is quite serious. This week, um, my number ten is a goal scorer. I think was around at Palmer the same time Zola was, or he was around in that side when it was really coming through. It's Christian Vieri. Yeah. Uh, he went on to play for Juventus and Inter. Great goal scorer. He played for Italy in the late nineties, early two thousands. Great goal scorer for a country who doesn't really produce a lot of goal scorers. He was definitely up there. So for me, he's definitely ten. It's My... weird, isn't it? How they've got so many amazing defenders, but yeah, I found the same thing in terms of like strikers. You've got a few good ones, um, but. Yeah, Vieri's definitely one of the best. I found that they had a lot of um, great strikers. Uh, not great, a lot of great strikers. A lot of great defenders. Uh, midfielders, uh, and strikers were the same. There was just not a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah, but do you know what? For my number 10, he's the only wizard on this, this list. And I had to put him 10, only because you boys would have killed me otherwise. It's the man himself, Gianfranco Zola. Oh, standard. You know, I, I, I could have put him higher, but you know... You could have put him low as well. Yeah. Uh, but no. Let me just let me just let me just say, right? This this guy is in Chelsea's eyes was a was a god. It literally a wizard on a ball, right? And just just so when I we're not to, just talking about internationally, you know, he didn't really do it, hit the scene on the international stage, really, did he? Um but his influence on the Premier League is what set it off for me and growing up with this guy in the team in a team full of Italians, really, you had Di Matteo, you had Gianluca Vialli, you know, you can name them all. Like, Chelsea have got a history of Italian players, Italian managers. Um, but this one, obviously, Zola stood out. Mr. Nice Guy. Um, if you haven't seen him, it's probably the equivalent to what Hazard was, uh, ability-wise, not as good, I would I would say. But he was that type of player. He could play on the wing, on the centre, attacking, attacking mid. But he was just such a skillful player, and he was so short. I think he was like five foot three or something. I know his shoe size was like three because it's in the Chelsea Museum. Uh, yeah, I know it's ridiculous. But yeah, there's a clip of him on. I don't know. It's, it's all over the internet of him literally putting Jamie Carragher on his ass, basically, and that's how good he was. He, he can do it to anyone. Um, when he about forty as well, wasn't it? Yeah, man. I think it was near his last game. I think that was a yeah. game. Just the scored that goal. Yeah, the way he just movement of the ball, but the one goal that springs to mind when I think Gianfranco goes out is that goal against Norwich. If you remember the ball crossing in from, from a corner and he just flicks it into the top roof of the net, basically kicking it. Is it a butterfly kick behind him into the roof of the net? He's just unreal. He's a top player that can do that. And obviously, he learned off the magician himself, Maradona. So, number 10, Gianfranco Zola. Didn't he um, have to be told like by Craig Bellamy? When his manager, that um, he had to stop training with them because he was just showing everyone up as well. Oh, yeah. I remember you saying that on the favourites footballers episode. He's probably still got it today, man. He's that good. that, yeah. Being worse than your manager at football. But that's how good he was. All my bad West Ham were. Both. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, your number 10. My number 10 is probably one of the most underrated footballers in history. Uh, he's part of probably the best back five of all time, that famous Sacchi Milan side. It's Alessandro Costa Curta. Oh. So, yeah. I mean, uh, there's two players in that back back four that get a lot of credit, but 
I mean, this guy was, you know, not as good as them, but he was a very, very good defender. And a common thing with the Italians, they play for a very long time. He got, yeah. he got like 500 odd appearances for Milan. He was a centre back, but you know, he, he could do a job in defensive mid and he could do a job at full back if required. And he's one of the best man markers ever. And his, his trophy cabinet is, is next level, really. There's, there's hardly anyone that can compete with him on that. And I think you guys might have seen him potentially uh, when you went on your Milan trip. I don't know what year you went, but he might have been coming to the end of his career or he might have just retired. Was it 2006, Tom, we went? Uh, we oh. went to Barca in 2006. I think it was 2007 when we went. Oh, OK. He might have just retired then. Cause I think he, yeah, because I collapsed. He retired. Back. Yeah, because he retired when they won the, the Champions League. But yeah, he, he doesn't get the credit that a lot of other players get. But to be in that great Milan side for 20-odd years and be in Italy for, for 10 years as well, just shows how, how good he was. Um, a lot of strikers have said he's the best man marker that they've ever played against. He wasn't the tallest, but yeah, his, his reading of the game was great as well. And he, yeah, he just was a player that probably barely gets mentioned these days, but he should. Mm. He should be up there as one of the best defenders, really. Yeah, to be fair, yeah. I, I don't really hear his name ever. Um, but I think there's, in terms of other international players, not Italian, I think there's better than him. And that's probably why he gets drowned out a bit. There's quite a few, yeah, I've got quite a few defenders on, I think, because he's from Italy. That's probably why, because yeah. if he was from, I don't know, Holland or Brazil or somewhere, he'd, yeah, I'm sure he'd be probably more widely regarded. Yeah, absolutely. In Italy, there's just so many good ones. Yeah, and it's, that's the weird thing about this, as I've found, uh, going forward. It's just not what a, a typical international uh, team's list would be um, in terms of positions. Tom, your number nine. My number nine, I'm going to stick with the striker theme. Uh, I'm going for one of Jack's favourite players. I'm going for Totti. He loves him off, isn't it? That is <laughs> low, that is low. That is low, but when you see the rest, you'll probably be like, oh, okay, fair enough. I don't think Jack will. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jack, Jack's probably got him number one, to be honest. Yeah, we'll wait no, and there's, see. There's no bias, but... Oh. No bias, but he is number one, isn't he? No, <laughs> no. I, won't, I won't go into that at this stage. Get him away. Uh, Totti is number nine for me, because, yes, he was a great striker. Yes, he got lots of goals and whatnot. I don't really remember seeing him a lot on the international stage. Whereas the player before and the other striker I've got coming up later, I remember them a lot more being more predominant in the strike as an Italian striker for the international team. And that was really the only thing that separated the person from further up the list. But he had great technique, he was always lobbing a goalkeeper. Just not as good as the other striker I've got on my list. So that's why I put in number nine. Um, comparing apples and oranges when it comes to positions and it being Italian, you probably are looking at more defensive players being higher up the list for me. So that's why I put yeah. Totti there. Yeah. That is Great. a fair comment about the international, I suppose. But it's, it's a weird one because he did... You know when they lost the... Um, Scale defensive. 
Yeah, he is. <laughs> he did, even though they lost the final, he got man of the match in that final. And I, I think he was in team of the tournament for the World Cup and the Euros. But I suppose there has been better... Yeah, there's definitely been better players if you're talking purely Italy national team. Because I, I don't think his goal record was that good compared to what it was at Roma. But, um, at Roma, yeah. he played so many years, so his record would be a lot higher, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll go into Totti a bit more <laughs> later, I'm sure. I'm sure you will, Jack. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'll go on my number nine, right? So when we do this podcast, you do a bit of research and obviously we will know some names from, you know, YouTube or watching classical games, etc. and, uh, you know, reading books. So for this one, my number nine is, I hope I say this right, Silvio Paola. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure it is. Um, it was mainly for his international record, really. He's a re- record setter, to be honest. Um, but he's regarded as one of the best strikers of all time in Italy. Um, yeah. And if I could describe him, if so he was part of the 1938 World Cup winning team. So the only picture and footage I've seen of him is this kind of stocky guy with the classic Italian comb over, black hair, <laughs> um, and uh, the baggy tops, etc., and the, the brown boots. You know, the typical like old-fashioned type of player. Um, but yeah, he he was regarded as one of the best strikers of all time at his time. But he was also regarded as someone who was quite modern in his style of play. Um, back then, in 1938, he wasn't your typical... So back then, you'd probably have a boot up the pitch and run after the ball kind of player. Um, this this player, he, he used to be quite acrobatic in the way he played. Um, all right, he wouldn't be doing stepovers because that, that was yet to come. But he, he used his body physically um, quite fast, etc. That type of player for back then wasn't typical. Um, for the record, he's got 333 goals in 619 games. All right, compared to other international greats like your Pedes, etc., that's not no great. But he scored in every over half the amount of games he played, um, mm. and he, he was part of that you know 1938 World Cup winning team where he linked up with my number eight. Um, I just think you know to to be remembered back then, winning a World Cup for your country, and he is still regarded as one of the best strikers of all time in Italy. I think he deserves a place on my list anyway. I don't know. As we go through, you guys maybe shaft him out on my list. I know you're going to shaft Zoda out on my list. But um, <laughs> th- this guy, I think, for, for the time being, he needs to be on my list. Um, so, yeah, Goprende. He's, he's not on mine, but he was very, very close. Um, I mean, you mentioned his international record, but he, he is also the top scorer in Serie A history as well. So... Yeah, a one in two record doesn't look amazing, but I mean it. It, it is in Serie A. Yeah, even in even in the thirties, uh, I, I think it was. Always, it's always been a more defensive league, and yeah, the fact that no one's broke his record in ninety years just shows how good a goal scorer he was. Exactly. Really. Yeah. So um, that's my number nine, and. I don't know, we'll see if he, he, he creeps up on, onto the final list. But Jack, you're number nine. My number nine, he is it's another defensive player, but it's even more defensive. It's a goalkeeper. It's Dino Zoff. Yes. Um, so that 1982 Italian team, to be honest, wasn't great. 
maybe one of the worst teams to, to win, win a World, World Cup. Cup. And, you know, when that happens, the goalkeeper is normally the one to, to make that happen. And, and boy, was he. He was 40 years old at that World Cup, but he was cool. the, the goalkeeper of the tournament. He captained uh, Italy to that World Cup. And he was, I think, the second goalie ever to do that. And uh, on the IFFHS, he was ranked as the third best goalie of the 20th century. Um, uh, yeah, th- this guy, he played for ages. He retired at sort of 41, 42, and he got tons of caps for Italy. He got a few league titles as well. And he was just, he was just a real leader at the back. He, yeah, Italy would not be world champions in 82 without him, that's for sure. And for the length of career that he played, he's such a legend and he deserves to be in with a shout on this list. And yeah, that's why he's number nine for me. Nice. I didn't expect us to have, I'm assuming we're going to have another keeper on this list, but I didn't expect us to have another one. Um, Yeah, yeah. They have a few, don't they? I think that's another position that, Generally, they're pretty good at. Yeah, it's about blocking a goal as, a, as, as opposed to scoring um, yeah. with Italy. Tom, your number eight. Well, I'm going to finish off my striking. <laughs> well, maybe finish off my striking. Um, I don't think you can mention Italian attacking without thinking about this name in particular. Uh, it's Del Piero. I put Alessandro Del Piero at number seven. Yeah, um, number eight. Even, number eight, even better. Let me get. I've got to learn to count. Um, <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> a lot of editing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and number eight, um, he could take free kicks. He was like a traditional, like number ten sort of player, a bit like Zola, but a lot better. Um, he could play yes, out on the it? wing if Excuse needed. It? Say it again. Love that. <laughs> Better than Zola, much just, better than Zola. Did you, did you just say better than Zola? Who's this guy? Yes, Del Piero is much better than Zola. Oh my god! How many World Cups did Zola win compared to Del Piero? Go on, carry on. Thank you. Do I need to bring up the Champions League as well, or go on, carry on? I said. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, he, not only has he won the World Cup and the Champions League, he could take free kicks. He was just generally an all-round big attacking threat and he was so loyal to Juventus. He went down to Serie B when they had the uh, match-fixing scandal, stayed with them, brought them back up and carried on from there. He was always scoring goals. What else can you want from a forward slash winger slash 10 slash better than Zola? That's all you want from a player. And Del Piero, I reckon it's harsh having that low. You're going to probably really think my next list is mad when you see who's next being that low as well but when you look at the amount of names they've got Del Piero I think as long as he's on the list that's fair and number eight I think in my mind that's fair as well fair enough all I remember is the FIFA cover yeah the FIFA cover yeah and the free kicks yeah free kicks yeah yeah he's look he's a chief warden Zola I think I'm assuming, but yeah, well done. Put put him in number eight. My number eight, <laughs> Giuseppe Meza or Miaza or however Miaza. Miaza. That's it. Sorry, my missus is gonna kill me. 
<laughs> so yeah, it wasn't even that... your ideas for this list either, was it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's definitely going to kill you. Shut up your face. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, this guy here, right? So he played my number nine. Uh, the reason why he's ahead of him, really, is because he won two World Cups as opposed to the one World Cup. And I think people in Italy, uh, they just love this guy. He's just, I think he's more of a, a character. And he's just, I don't know. It's a again, the player. Yeah, he, he was more of, yeah, like I said, he was more of a character um, where Paola was, I don't know, he's more reserved, I suppose. This guy was more out there. I don't know, he's just one of those generational players at the time, famous for like, apparently this, I don't know how true this is, but when I was, I was watching a, a, a show once, and apparently this guy, right, he stopped the ball in the air with a basketball kick. I don't, I don't know how that's possible, yeah, so. The ball how? Come... What, did, you, did you see it actually happen or? Of course I didn't. This, this guy, this is back in 1938. So again, with all, and again, with all these lists, when, when I'm talking about people from back then, you, you either have to take it with a pinch of or go full throttle with it because I'm on there and you're only reading from research. But from what, what's been said, this guy, a cross came in or a pass came in from one of his teammates. This was in training once. He stopped the ball with a bicycle kick and put it on the floor. So I don't know whether he just done like a, like a backflip. Back did he just fall over and just land on the floor and the ball landed on top of him? God knows, right. I don't know, man. But this this guy apparently did that. So that you know, for being being a footballer back then, <laughs> being able to do, doing something like that, it's you know, it's unheard of really. You just kick the ball like I said, kick the ball forward, try and get in the goal. You wouldn't be doing so. I'm I'm baffled here. Like he's done a bicycle kick to stop the ball. What would be the point? You then land on your backside or your back. What are you going to do with the ball then? I'm baffled. It must have done a full 360 turn. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see the YouTube clip after and, and we'll make our own judgments. No, no, no. Whether I, this... let, me just, let me just clarify. I watched a YouTube clip where someone said that. I didn't watch a YouTube clip oh, okay. of Fine. him doing it. All right, okay. Just clarify, yeah. I didn't have yeah, YouTube back then, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that was, that was mentioned. Yeah, I've got him a bit higher up as well. But, yeah, I mean, that Italy team was a serious team and he was the best player by far like yeah I'm surprised you had the, the two boys so close together because I mean Piola was a really good goal scorer and he, he he did have a modern game but Niazza was just I think levels above on like his dribbling and technical ability and stuff and it, yeah, yeah winning two World Cups I mean you can't and, and winning two World Cups as that close. the best player back to back no yeah. one's ever done that. No, I, I, so I don't think I've done him justice putting him this low, uh, this low down, really. But I think I couldn't split the two purely for the fact they're in the same team. Yeah, uh, and Inter uh, as well, weren't they? They're both yeah club mates. Yeah, this is what I mean. And they're both in the same team, and they both, you know, did help each other out. I think Miazza goes one above because he's obviously won the world, both World Cups. Um, and just because of the all-round character of him, from what I've read anyway and what I've heard. Um, but yeah, it, it may be a case of him going higher on the list when he did a final list. But for me, there's other players that I know more about and um, want to make sure that are on the list um, going forward. But yeah, but he's he makes it into my list. So he's number eight for me. Jack, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight, another World Cup 
winner and the best, well, I believe he was the best player at that World Cup. It's close between him and the guy in the position above, but it's Fabio Cannavaro. He's the last defender to win that, a Ballon d'Or. that low? Yeah. To be, to be honest, I preferred Nesta as a player, but Nesta just had so many injuries. I, I don't think you can, you can put him above, above Cannavaro. But yeah, Cannavaro, last defender to win a World Cup, uh, captain of the last Italy World Cup winning side. Uh, yeah, as you say, that may look a bit low. I don't, I just don't think he did near enough club-wise as, as some of the other. Italian defenders there and yeah. I know um, a lot of them don't have a World Cup but they've got sort of three, four, five European Cups and I, I think that probably in the grand scheme of things does does outweigh that and I always thought Cannavaro was the third best defender in his team it was an amazing defence so that's that's not a disrespect but it's hard it's hard to to judge him and put him much higher. I can probably see an argument for him being a little bit higher, but yes, some of the other defenders that Italy have produced, um, that's why he's eight for me. Would you say he's spoiled it by going to Real Madrid and going to play the Liga? To be fair, no, because I mean that's quite a big thing for an Italian to do. Not not many Italians went abroad. And yeah, he was probably past his. Well, actually, it was it was just that he'd won the Ballon d'Or, but he probably was coming on a downer. But he still won a couple of La Ligas over there, so he, he didn't do too badly. But yeah, it wasn't the same as his Inter and Juve days and that. But I mean, that probably makes him a bit different, doesn't it, to to, to the rest of them because they all stayed in Serie A in their comfort zone. I I have to disagree with you, but I'll get onto that when when I mention him in my list. Um, the reasons why I think he should be higher. But yeah, Tom, what's your number seven? My number seven is Cannavaro, which goes against Hugh Jordan, um, which is probably a good thing because you put Zola tenth, um, <laughs> and I am not letting that go. Cannavaro, as I think. Jack's put it perfectly there when he said you always think of him as the third best. Um, he's, I always think of like when you say like top Italian defenders, Cannavaro is on it, but he's not really that high up there. I mean, he read the game really well. He was able to cut out so many passes through. He could tackle well. He captained Italy to the World Cup, but. I just don't see him as high as some of the other defenders, which is just the only reason why he's that low compared to the other defenders I've got on my list. So that's why he's number seven for me. No, that's fair play. That's that. Yeah, yeah, we're all going to have different opinions. That's what the beauty of this uh, podcast, isn't it? Um, yeah. I don't, Jack's not going to be happy with this one, though. No? So my number seven is Francesco Totti. I don't know whether Jack's got him next, so he may, he may not be. But I just think... Like Tom said, internationally, he didn't really do it. The only time I remember internationally is when he had that stupidly long hair. I don't know. That's that's the that's the time. Yeah, that around two thousand and four time. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that comes to mind. That and that's the only thing that comes to mind when I think of him internationally. Not like any goals or anything. It's just totally in Italian shirt equals 
long hair. Um, <laughs> that's that's all it is. Um, but in terms of the player himself, uh, look, I he used to be like Marmite. You either loved him or hated him at the time. I think you grew to like him a lot more as he got older. I don't know about you, but I didn't really like him at the beginning of his career, or not beginning of his career, but like early on, um, say early 2000s. But as he got older and he became like a one-man club and he had like, morally he was quite quite there. I, just, I think I remember him. Did he spit at someone at one point? Yeah, he uh, spit at a Danish defender. And that's and when I was, Yeah, and that's when... He was like, uh, this guy is just not not a nice not a nice player. A bit like who was that um, Lazio defender? Is uh, Mihailovic? Mihailovic. Yeah, yeah, some people like that. You just don't want that. You know, I don't know. I grew up not liking those type of players, but then you grew to like him because of his ability, the one man club kind of thing. You know, the free kicks. I remember him having the boots with the elastic around the tongue. Um, which for me is like an like it's a nostalgia thing. Um, Jack, me and you playing FIFA, and him being absolute beast and it. The selfie celebration recently, or recently, probably like 2015 now, isn't it? Um, but he's a World Cup winner. He, you saw beautiful goals. He's a playmaker, and he started getting. He went from the front and started to drift back. So he went from striker, centre forward, centre attacking mid. And sometimes he will play in centre mid completely. Um, so he had that ability to play the game that way. He's just a bit of a marmite figure, but you can't knock his ability. And I think, like Tom said, the longevity, and you'll see it with all the Italian players on this list, really, but the longevity he had really equates to why he had such a good record for Roma. Not necessarily, if, in, if you had put him in a short spell, Maybe he wouldn't be as high on the list as what I put him, but now I like him. I think he's quite a quite a good figure, and um, yeah, a, a Roma legend and Jack's boyfriend. <laughs> Jack, what's your number seven? My number seven, and you're probably going to be shocked. Well, you might be shocked at how low he is, but not a toy, is because it? of no, but because of his position. I do find it a bit difficult to rank them so high. So it's Gianluca Buffon. Wow. Wow. That, that low? Yeah. Because, yeah, because he's a goalkeeper, I just, I just do have this thing that outfield players are better. But, I mean, he's, he's arguably the best goalkeeper of all time. Um, and a bit like Dino's off, really key in, in his side's World Cup win. He's Italy's record cap holder. He's uh, Serie A's record appearance maker. And he was the world's most expensive goalkeeper for pretty much until I think Allison got bought. So best part of 20 years. And yeah, a great organiser, great shot stopper. Still playing to this day at 42 years old. I'm sure you guys will go on about him. More, yeah. Um, but yeah. Surprise, how, surprise how low he is, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see who else is in your list then. Makes it exciting. Tom, number six. My number, I just can't believe Jack's put Booth on that low. Like, <laughs> you've really gone down on my estimation, Jack. My number six is Booth on. Um, <laughs> similar to what Jack said. <laughs> <laughs> Similar to what Jack said, it's position-wise. 
but you can't think of Italian goalkeeping without thinking of Buffon. I can't even think of Italy without Buffon. So that's why he's number six for me. But you've got a lot of players on pitch who were just as important and just as figurehead, I feel, for Italy. Look, as there's Buffon. a reason keepers don't win Ballon d'Ors. It's a shame, but if yeah. there is one who deserves a Ballon d'Or, it's <sighs> just for a length of time, it's Buffon. But the other names I've got are just as pivotal to, well, I feel just as pivotal to Italian football as Buffon. So it's just a position that lets him down. I don't know what you guys are on today. Honestly, good. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't agree with any of you there. P- Position-wise or not, it, I think there is a footballer in the day and he has major impact. I'll go into it, but he has a major impact in, on the game, um, not just for Italian football. But not my number six is Baggio. I'm also hoping you're going to say Buffon. <laughs> just <laughs> hoping you're going to say Buffon. It's a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> I remember what you said. I just had Buffon, Buffon, <laughs> Buffon in my head. Who's your number six again? Baggio. Oh, okay. Mad hair, mullet, geezer. This guy, just free kicks galore, this kid. I think from, I think everyone remem- remembers him for that miss, that penalty miss, really, don't they? Um, it's a shame, that, because he was such a good player. Yeah, in a, I think he skied it in a 94. Was it a 94 World Cup? I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, I don't know, I think if he scored that, he would be probably higher um, and more renowned in Italian football. I mean, don't get me wrong. As we grew up, um, he's probably the one of the other, the only international football, not the only, but one of the main international footballers I knew as I grew up um, outside of the Premier League. Just because of you know the games we played, like we used to play this game. I think we mentioned in a previous episode where you know we'd take a free kick on the computer and we try and get it in. It was called I think it was Baggio's own game. Um, so things like that, you know, he, he was quite famous. And I think it was for that, that period in the late 80s, 90s, he was quite famous and it carried on into our childhood, which would be the 90s and two, uh, 2000s. Um, but yeah, he was just, he's just a good player. I just I just remember him for his free kicks and his mad hair. But he was an attacking midfielder, playmaker, could score, can assist. Um, the game used to go through him, really, didn't it, at the time? Yeah, but, um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping number six. He could be higher, but um, yeah, Baggio number six. That's fair. Um, I've got him on my list, but maybe one or two higher. Um, Jack, what about you? What's your number yeah, six? I've got Baggio at six as well. Um, Cannavaro was the last Italian to win the Ballon d'Or, but he he was the one before that, and kind of in the last sort of thirty years or so, he's he's had more podium finishes than anyone yeah he was third he He was third second I think and he did win it in 93 and yeah I think if he had if he had won that 94 World Cup we could be talking about a different a different list maybe maybe he's even higher Um, but Italy really did need someone kind of to come through because I think they won it in 82 a lot of those players retired. Um, Died off, yeah. Yeah, and then the, a lot of the Milan boys of the, the late 80s, 90s 
were just sort of coming in like Maldini and stuff like that. And, and Baggio was the real attacking force for a good sort of five, ten years there. He was, he was the only one, really, that, that did anything up front for them. For, I mean, Scalacci, I think, had a random World Cup where he was good, but that, that was a complete fluke. But this, yeah, this guy was really good playmaker, good goal scorer, really classy player. Yeah, he, he was a top player. Uh, Sean Paul, don't he like Scalacci? Is that who he was singing about? Yeah, see? Dad oh, joke. What? I didn't know. Don't worry. Don't worry, Tom. Oh. We'll, we'll crack on. All right. Please. Uh, <laughs> like, ignoring what he's just done. Um, I'm sorry about that. Oh, what? Just, just hang your head in shame. Hang your head on. in shame. Crack on quick. What number are we on again? Five. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You've knocked my brains out. Number five is one of the big Milan three defenders you think about when you think about when you put Milan and defending together. I've got Nesta. Whenever he tackled, it was art. The slight tackle, the timing was always perfect. As Jack said earlier, his injury sort of let him down. But for me, Nesta is one of the main things that comes to mind when you think of Italians and defending. Playing at AC Milan, I think it was part of one of the you had three AC Milan sides that were just amazing. You yeah. had the one where Sachi was in charge. Uh, you had the one where you had, uh, I think, Baresi and Maldini at the back together. And then this, the third one was with Maldini and Nesta. And to be part of any of those teams, you've got to be an absolute baller. And a great defender in Nesta's case. And yeah, just a great defender. And a good servant for the Italian team as well. I think um, I read Perlo's book and they were saying just before one of the, the semi-final, I think, or the quarter-final, Nesta ended up missing the game through injury. And I remember watching it and thinking that without Nesta, they just wasn't as settled, if you know what I mean. I think that's put Marco Matarazzi in and he's a good player, but just not as up to Nesta's scratch in yeah. my eyes. Mm-hmm. So that's why Nesta's number five for me. Yeah, no fair play. He was a good player. And like, like we were saying earlier, if you're talking about FIFA, I'll definitely have him in my FIFA team. He'd be one of the first on my list. Um, number five for me is Barazzi. Barazzi, or whatever, however you want to say it. Or, you thought Buffon was low for me, and you put Barazzi at five. Listen, he done well. He won't, obviously, he was pivotal to the... 82 World Cup winning team, wasn't he? And I think he probably was the reason why Maldini is how good he is today. Or not today, he's he's retired. He probably still could play today. But I think, yeah, another Italian defender, another, well, I'll I'll get on to Cannavaro, but a five foot nine centre back. Yeah. Which is mad. He had a spring on him. But a, a player that was intelligent as a defender. Um, and I think his, the way he played definitely had an effect on how Maldini played, had an effect on how Cannavaro played. And, you know, that just hasn't been passed on <laughs> anymore. But I think the way he played definitely had an effect on how Italy shaped um, their defensiveness, I suppose, with years to come going forward. Um because he was quite intelligent, he used to play the offside trap quite well, didn't he? Zonal marking, etc. 
Um, he used to play CDM as well sometimes, didn't he? Mm, um, yeah. So, I mean, all-round all player, brilliant, you know. And you're, you're right, you probably could go higher. And, you know, my number four is the one you... I'll, I'll mention it later on, but you'll probably guess who number number four is. Um, my number four, the only difference is he's won a Ballon d'Or. You know, he's achieved what Beresi's done, but I just think Beresi, yeah. Beresi, uh, okay, but maybe these two could be head-to-head in where they are. They can switch or whatever, but Beresi, he he just, I don't know, he, he uses class and he was a good player. He was a one-man, one-man club at AC Milan. But for me, he stays at number five, only to be beaten by number four for a few reasons. I'll get on to that. I'll go into the Barese thing later. I'll just say one thing on that Ballon d'Or. Go on. Barese got runner-up once, very close to winning it. Um, and Who was he beating by? Van Basten. So they were in the same side. Um, but, I mean, and the Cannavaro Ballon d'Or one of the closest contested uh, from from recent memory, I think. There's there's a few players that I think maybe Henri or Ronaldinho could have won it. But you know, I'm I'm probably going away from the point now. So my number five is Alessandro Del Piero. Uh, Tom high. Tom's already touched. Yeah, Tom's already touched on his class. Um, yeah, he, he could play up front. He could play. Attacking mid, like quite a few of these players, actually, a lot of the best Italian strikers did have that ability to kind of drop back. And yeah, I mean, I love that he stayed at loyalty Juventus and and went down with them to to Serie B. And he won the he won the Champions League for Juve, and this was before Zidane came. Remember that. So he was Zidane came to Del Piero's team, and that Juve side we've already touched on it in our in our first ever episode about the mm-hmm. the best club sides of the past 25 years. And Del Piero was a big, big player in that team. And Juventus were winning titles, just like now, pretty much all the time. He was always up there as one of the top scorers, top assisters, and always like coming up with, as one of the best Italian players. Um, remember that 2006 World Cup against Germany? Last minute, he yeah. got that goal. Thing is, with um, Del Piero, when he played for that Juve team, that was at a time where, in Italian football, you'd have a lot of giants in terms of, like, even Lazio were a big team then. AC Milan were a Palmer, big team. Sampdoria. Yeah, yeah all yeah. of those. They were massive teams. Yeah. Do you reckon that was the Fiorentina. peak of uh, the hardest league ever at that point? Probably I was, I can't yeah. think of any harder now. Like, there was a good... A good seven or eight really, really good sides. And we've mentioned the Milan teams. Yeah, and Del Piero was... I mean, he, he played for a long time as well. He he sort of left Juve, what, about eight or nine years ago now. But he was he was doing it from early days in, in the 90s. And he just... Yeah, he just had class. He was very, very skillful. I suppose a bit like what you said with Totti. He didn't have so many memorable moments uh, for the national side, maybe. As uh, I mean, really, none of the strikers were as good, I think, for the national side as they were in their club sides. But he's still, I think he's still uh, fourth or fifth highest scorer for Italy. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, I mean... 
you know, you, you're still talking in regards to attacking players performing as as well as a lot of them. So yeah, he's he's five for me. That yeah, you're surprised he's that high, but he he really is one of the best attacking Italian players there is. Yeah, I think you sold it to me actually. Good pitch. Um, yeah, Tom, your number four. My number four <laughs> is Baresi. He's one half of that um, partnership. I always hear about this, and we see it written about Paolo Maldini and Baresi together. Mm. Then I, I saw something like they only conceded 29 goals in 126 games or something like that. Something similar to that. That's mad, isn't it? Like, to be part of... And we, you can't put it all down to Maldini. So Baresi's got to be doing something. And he's, if he's, he's won the World Cup, as you said, in 82... He's just, I don't, I haven't seen a lot of him, but for him to be doing stats like that and to be associated with the, the greatest back, well, I think it was out of the two greatest uh, Milan teams there were at the time, he was in two of them, wasn't he? Yeah. I'm sure yeah. to be a staple figurehead of two of those great AC Milan teams says it all. I wish I could say more about him, but I wasn't around to see him as much. You always hear like the, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the best players on soccer, um, Sky Sports, where they bring up yeah. all the old school players and you see all the um, classic moments. And if he's yeah. on that, he's got to be decent. So yeah, for me, Baresi, he's number four on my list. Yeah, he's a, he's a top player. And yeah, he, he, maybe he could be higher for me. Um, but like I alluded to, number four for me is Cannavaro. Um like Jack said, look, Jack, Jack did mention, you know, Baresi was runner-up in the Ballon d'Or. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm open to switching this up completely because I, I realise with this Italian list, there t- tends to be a lot of similar players. They're, for me, it's all quite close. Um, yeah, there's no, cl- well, there's no clear 10, I don't yeah. think. It's very difficult. So it's quite hard, but the reason why I put Cannavaro ahead Again, he's another five foot nine centre back, um, but for me, Cannavaro, he he went probably mainly because two thousand and six, so that obviously won the World Cup, won the Ballon d'Or, right? But I think the fact that he went to Real Madrid and did that, like Jack said, it was a big thing, and he won. I think it was two La Ligas then. Yeah. You know, and then he went back to Juve. He got his place there, and obviously he started dying out. He started getting older. But just a point. Just a point on the Real Madrid win the Liga. Was that during that time when Barca were absolute was still like a sleeping giant? They hadn't actually gotten good yet, if you know. Um, I mean. Well, they they just won the Champions League, and yeah. then they had a couple of yeah. They weren't they weren't at their best. I mean, Ronaldinho two there. years, but Ronaldinho was there. Messi was mm. there. Rijkaard was was the manager, I, I believe. Um, it, it was just, just before, before they really just yeah. the really as they were coming. Well, I mean, they won a Champions League, but as they were starting. But I mean, for for Cannavaro to do that in another league, um, and I think he almost had twenty years in the game. So again, another longevity player from an Italian. There's a lot of these, now. yeah. Yeah, I think I liked him one because for him to be centre back at five foot nine, the leap he had on him, he still had the leap on him, but the leadership from him, and uh, he's a no nonsense type of player. But he can read the game pretty well. Like that's why he got away with being quite short as a centre back because the way he read the game positionally he was perfect and led that back four. So 
this may be my bias and how I like players because we've alluded to that in previous uh, episodes where I say that like, I put Roy Keane over Vieira um, just because of his crazy streak, etc. You know, something like that. With Cannavaro, I think his passion, the way he led a team uh, and the way he can read the game pretty well um, alongside being a Ballon d'Or winner, being a World Cup winner and doing it outside of Italy. I think for me, he, he has to be on the list and he has to be um, just ahead of Baresi. Again, I'm more than open because I do understand that Baresi does have that nostalgia, historical you know partnership with Maldini. And like I alluded to, I think Cannavaro wouldn't be the defender he was, nor would Maldini, if it wasn't for Baresi. So that's my number four. Uh, my number four is Francesco Totti. Hey, here he is. Yeah, so he's got the second most goals ever in Serie A. And, I mean, as, as we've probably mentioned, he, he's not even really a proper striker. Um, goals is he's not really even the main part of his game. He's just an amazing creative player, one of the best playmakers out there. And, I mean, uh, we're saying best, aren't we? But we're talking about great as well. And his loyalty, you can't name a better one-club man because of the fact that anyone in the world he could have played for and he, he chose to stay loyal. Um, yeah, we've mentioned longevity a lot. He did it for about 25 years. One of the most two-footed players out there. Excellent at volleys, excellent at lobs, excellent mm. at penalties. And the big thing as well, and I, I don't know if it was because of Guardiola's time at Roma or just the fact that he was around at the time, but basically Totti was the one that really made the false nine what it is today. Yeah. And I I don't know this, but I feel like Guardiola did look at that and think, you know what, Messi can do that. And and I think I think that did have an impact on it. And he's he's really redefined that position of false nine. He he won um the European Golden Boot that year and yeah, it, he's just really the perfect player for that sort of role because he's an excellent passer. He could yeah. play outside the box, but he, he could also finish. He's yeah. one of those he's one of those cosball players, isn't it? Where, where you don't want to say he's greatest of all time. You know, not just like you can put him in Italianist, but I mean internationally, you wouldn't say he's one of the greatest of all time, would you? You wouldn't. No, this is this is yeah, definitely down to like his club football. I but, I do accept he wasn't as good for Italy. But, yeah, I'm not just talking about international. I'm talking, I mean, internationally. I mean, if we wasn't just doing a top 10 Italian list, if we were talking top 10 players. Oh, got you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He wouldn't be up there. Definitely wouldn't be up top 10, right? You don't want to say he's one of the greatest, but you don't want to say he's that bad. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. I know good. what you're getting at, yeah. He's, he's yeah. a cost, costable kind of player. Um, Do you know what I find as well? Is that the stats don't always flatter Totti because he's not, he doesn't really do things that stats make him seem good, if you know what I mean. Like he yeah, plays the yeah. game really well, but the stats which show other players to be seen to be far better, it's like it just doesn't flatter Totti at all. Like it's a shame. But when you actually watch him play, he was a good player. Yeah, I think um, Arsenal fans will say that about Pepe this season. Tottenham, oh, I definitely would. <laughs> Good. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people would. Uh, Tom, you're number three. 
My number three is Roberto Baggio. Uh, as Jack alluded, or I think you alluded to earlier, that um, he was quite vocal in, I think, the 94 World Cup, uh, which I think they lost to Brazil when he missed the, winning pen- missed the last penalty. If he had scored, that would, I think, a lot more people would justly put him up as part of a top three in any list. Um, I think he's one of the few Italian players who would actually dribble the ball around people or actually actively go to take people on. Because apart from like Del Piero and maybe Totti, I can't really think of many other Italian players who main focal point in the game was to really get at people. If you know what I mean, unless any of you can think of any names. Uh, nowadays, no. I mean, oh, yeah. no, even back then, even back then, they didn't really. No, they were very much, um, yeah, very. Oh, I can't think of the word, but classic in know, their games. Conservative, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, the Constantina. Um, but they were just like Baggio. He was different, and like the attacking flair he had, the ways he was able to dribble around people. For me, that's why he's top three. Because it was so different to how Italy traditional players are. So for me, he's top three. He's got to be. Yeah, I like that reasoning. He's he's definitely right up there for Italian attackers. And he's a bit he's a bit different, isn't he, than your likes of your Vieri's, your Inzaghi's, your your Paolo Rossi's. This this guy wasn't just in the box. He he could play outside the box as well and. Yeah, he, he didn't mind running with the ball. He didn't just sort of wait for it and score headers and things like this. But yeah, he's very, very good player. Mr. Flair, an Italian flair, which never really happens. Um, my number three, Tom, you're going to love this. I don't know if you're going to love that. He's number three. Um, Perlo, for me. He's got to be in the list. As long as he's, he's, not, list. In my, he's not on mine. I'll just say what, that now. Jack? Right. What, Jack? Jack. And that's part. That's I've got to say that's bias, but it's mad how you can have him so high. And Tom's got. What do you mean it's higher. mad? What do you mean it's mad? Behave yourself. Like, Listen, how I, can I, you not have Polo in the top ten yeah. for Italian footballers? Not even in the top ten. Are you? So you're saying? No, I'm not. I don't have him in the top ten. Um, he was an honourable mention. He was. Cool. Him and Piola was close to number ten, but I, I wanted to get Costa Curta. A bit. I wanted to give him a bit of credit, but you know, when we come to this, we'll obviously move. But tell him so high. I just. It's, it's going yeah, to be. I'll, bit, I'll let Jordan. It, it's yeah. going to be a bit debatable. This, this when we get to the last ten, in it, we've got so many people all over the place. Going on it, he's, there's no question that he's going on the list. The, the, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so Jack, the reason, reason, reason why I've put him on. One, I think he's had such an right recently. I think if if this if you put Perlo in the 80s or 90s, right, and where we didn't see him in our time, I think you'd be talking about, and Jack, I think you'd be putting him on the list. The reason being, I think the the way he played his game, I think he invented that role in the sense that he was so calm. Um, the most elegant player, I don't know, he he was of that era where you maybe had your Javi Alonso's and people didn't really respect him until they left the game or got near the end of their career. And Perlo, so calm on the ball, can play on ball over the top perfectly. Play a play a part. He'd play a simple pass, play from, uh, from to a defender, from a defender. It, it, it releases to the wings, but 
this this guy was just so calm on the ball and so elegant in his passing and the most accurate passes I think I've ever seen the player bar Cesc Fabregas probably. Um, but play a deep line playmaker like um, say the likes of Jorginho nowadays. Um, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Perlo, and he's a hipster's dream. You know Tom loves him. Um, he was in- instrumental for the 06 Italian uh, World Cup winning team, and I just like. His all-round aura and his attitude. I think, what was it? Um, something was it the, the World Cup final? I think he loves playing PlayStation. And one before before the World Cup final. I don't know how true this is, Tom. You probably you probably know this. You probably read his book. Um, but apparently, yeah, it's in the book. So yeah, he apparently before the before the World Cup final, he felt no pressure. He was playing PlayStation like an hour before and fell asleep an hour before the the World Cup final. I mean, to be that calm on the massive scale tournament that you're you're about to play, it just shows you how chilled out this guy was. And I think in terms of the, his style of play, his style and character, um, and how much of an impact he had on football, you know, Chelsea wanted him um, for a while. And I think he went to any other club internationally, so, you know, the Chelsea, your Real Madrid or whatnot, he would have done the exact same there and he would have changed the game there. I don't know. He's one of those Italian players, which is not a defender, who has a style and brought a style to the game. And I think that's the reason why I put him so high because he, if I'm thinking of a, a playmaker midfielder, he is the first name that comes to my mind. Um, and that's the kind of impact he's had as an Italian footballer. And he's number three for me. Yeah, well, I agree with you. Jordan. He's just elegance in abundance. The- Lending the ball and then getting it back. The range of passing, the goals, the free kicks. Jack, I just don't know how you can't have him on your list. I don't know how you've got Totti on your list and not Perlo. Yeah, it's a bit mad. Just So what I'll say is Totti was the best player on his team for about 20 years. It was Ro- it's Roma though, isn't it? It's yeah, Roma. It is Roma. If, if, you, if you think about back in the the sort of mid two thousands, Totti was widely regarded as the best player in Serie A. Like clearly for for a good five or ten years, and that's when you had a young Perlo. To be fair, yeah, but I think Perlo only really became seen as the main man when he joined Juventus. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying he was better at Juventus than he was at Milan. Um. But I just think all, all the other guys, well, most of them that I've got on my list have been the main man on their team. And for me, this is a bit of preference. I just, I'm not a massive fan of him. I don't I think... really like his style of play. And I like a physical midfielder. When I, when I think of players in, in the centre of the park, yeah, he, he just doesn't have the tools that, that I want, really. And Whoa. I, know, I know football's not about stats as well, but and I, I don't often use stats. In but you're about to use but, one. But yeah, I, I will for this. I mean, his assist <laughs> and goal record is poor. Yeah, as a no, deep but... line playmaker, a deep line playmaker, you're not really going to get in the position to score. Yeah. I mean, the furthest forward he was was when he was young and he was at Inter, and even then he wasn't really played as much as he should have 
And that's the whole reason why he went to AC Milan in the first place, because he wasn't getting the games that he thought he should have had. And he was then brought back further back in the deep line role because of his range of passing and his vision. And he said he made it his own. And yeah. I like, think that's... You said yeah. like he thought he was the first one to make a deep, a false nine sort of role. Pearl was the first one to really yeah. be that sort of, the one that we think of as deep line playmaking. And I just feel like Totti's stats will always be better at attacking-wise because he's further forwards. If you take that in context of Perlo's further back, he's never going to get the amounts of shots that Totti would or the amount of last passes for the assists. He's going to be the one who makes the penultimate pass or the key pass. Or, but even when he's not doing the key passes or the assists, the passes he does make are so sublime. It puts players in positions to really get at the goal. It's not it's just like Paul Perlo who sometimes puts like a 50-yard ball across the pitch. And it's like, yeah, that's sick because you've, you've pinpointed him, found him. Polo put people in such good positions that you could actually get, like, maybe they get the assist or they're just further up the pitch. And most of Polo's goals came from free kicks when he consistently scoring from them. For me, and obviously Tom, Polo has to be on the list because of the role that he's produced um, and made his own and people are copying it um, and the accuracy of his passing, etc. Everyone knows that Perlo is a great, calm, elegant player. Um, so, yeah, it's clear that Perlo is going to be on the list for us too. Jack, what's your number three? Yeah, my, my number three, Giuseppe Miazza. So, we talked about him earlier. He's one of the few... Well, he's, he's the only one to be the main man um, in back-to-back World Cup because uh, Pele... Pele won back-to-back, Garincha did, but, you know, they, they sort of split that in terms of being the main player there. And, yeah, a bit like Piola scored a ton of goals. Not your typical Italian number nine you see these days. Maybe because of his height as well. He was only, like, five six, And he could apparently do a bicycle kick and stop it in the air, which <laughs> is, is amazing. But um, he... I definitely he, have to check uh, the facts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll check that. But I mean, he's he's a good leader as well. He, he tapped in that that nineteen thirty eight side, and his influence on the game in Italy is massive. I mean, the fact that there's a, a big stadium named after him, also known as the San Siro, yeah. kind of lends itself to that. And yeah, as as Jordan mentioned earlier, he was kind of a a big deal. He was a, a sort of big celebrity footballer, and and one of the first really. And, and in Italy, certainly. Um, you know, in the the late twentieth century, he was widely considered as as one of well the best Italian player of all yeah. time. I'm not sure that's still the opinion now, but it certainly was around two thousand time. And yeah, he he scored a lot of goals, but he, he was a lot more than that. Yeah, he he could do stuff with the ball, and he'll go down in Italian football history forever. Um, yeah, 100%. yeah. And I I can't see the way that Italian football is going. You could get a defender as you know as good as some of these on the list. Uh, you could get a goalie if if Donnarumma really reaches his potential. Yeah, we mentioned that in a previous episode, didn't we? Yeah, we've mentioned that on the the under twenty ones podcast. But to get the new Giuseppe Miasa, no, you know it's not going to happen. I can't see it. Especially for the yeah, for the national team, yeah, I just can't see it. We've got Moyes Keane 
no chance. Um, yeah. yeah, right, Tom, your number two. My number two is someone we've mentioned just now. It is Perlo. Oh, yeah, Perlo. Look, Tom, won't go any further with that because we spent about three hours talking about it a second ago. Uh, I'll go on to my number two, Buffon. It's got to be this guy. I mean, Jack, I'm, you've put him quite high. And obviously, with your, sorry, low, with, with the reason being his position, I, I have to I have to say, the longevity of this guy had to do it such, I mean, even the other night, I think he made a Oh, yeah, really good save, yeah. And, you know, for him to do that at his age of 42, was you, was you saying? It's just incredible. And it must be something in the Italian Mediterranean diet. Yeah, it's just something something crazy. It, it, he's definitely the best keeper, I think, of all time. Um, it's the longevity of quality. That is the main thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I, he's doing it. At quite, uh, like, like I said, the other day, he was, he was just banging up these saves again, still. And obviously, he's gone from Juve to PSG, back to Juve again. And PSG didn't really hit it off. But you were saying about the speed, like, or not the speed, so you are saying about the, because he's in goal. You've still got to be quick whilst in goal. Yeah. Like you've yeah. still got to get fast movements. Reactions and, and stuff, yeah. He's got to have the reactions still. But all I'm saying is, for him to do it for so long, it's just unreal. And I don't know a keeper that will and could possibly do what he's done. And, yeah, maybe Donnarumma may fulfil the prophecy, the Italian prophecy, maybe. But it's just the most reliable keeper between the sticks. And it's not he's not a flair keeper, if you know what I mean. He's not he just gets the job done. So he, yeah. let's just say compare him to Neuer. He wouldn't be arrogant in the way he does stuff. He he just I don't know, he would be a, a keeper that just collect the ball and start the play going straight away. Um and it wouldn't be with his feet. It'd be all everything would be with his hands really. He's not one of these modern keepers, let's put it that way. Um but yeah, when when you think of longevity, you think of stars and famous in the game, and you think of keepers. I don't think anyone comes close to Buffon. Um, just such a reliable keeper and such a quality keeper at that. And still to this day, like we said, yeah, he's, he's forty-two now and he's still playing. That is just ridiculous. I mean, what what shows you how good he was? He got brought, I think, by Juve. It was it Palmer? I think he was playing playing for. Yeah. For back like in 2004, 50 million euro, wouldn't it? Yeah, and back then, that's ridiculous money. That's probably equivalent to like what 150 now. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that. Well, well, it's even more because football inflation goes up more than normal inflation. So maybe even like 200 million, because that was like the fourth or fifth highest transfer ever at that point. And he was a goalkeeper, and he's so he, fairly he, young as well for a goalkeeper. He must be the second most expensive keeper of all time at the moment, right? With Kepa, no, Kepa, Edison, cool. and Allison, I think. Right, but he's he's still up there. Yeah, like, I mean, if you if you did adjust it for it, even normal inflation, I bet he'd be second. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's crazy. But yeah. just a little couple of facts about him: he's from a family of just sports sportsmen, sports people, and I think his dad was like a discus thrower or something. So he's always been brought up around sport, um, but. I don't know how true this is, and again, you might have to do uh, the Jordan fact check, but he started off as a midfielder, right? And after watching Cameroon goalkeeper Thomas Nkonu, <laughs> apparently that's what made him want to go in goal. 
So, so <laughs> believe what you want, but apparently that's a fact. I'll end it oh, Jordan's oh. facts. All right. Jack, you're number two. My number two, uh, I think both of you guys have mentioned this guy already. It is Franco Baresi. So, yeah, five foot nine, but still amazing in the air. Just a really good leader, a massive influence on Maldini. And he's one of the few players uh, to have won a World Cup plus three Champions Leagues. Um, and, yeah, he just was one of the best defenders of all time. His, his reading of the game was brilliant. He could play a bit more forward, as, as you've said, Jordan, at sort of DM. Really good in that sweeper role. Um, just a, a very, very intelligent player. Yes. Probably the most intelligent defender of all time because he, you know, he wasn't blessed with with the height or actually even the pace. But his positioning was second to none. Like pretty much everyone else on this list, he made Pele's FIFA 100, which I think we've mentioned on a few other episodes. Yeah, and the, the greatest living players. I think that was early 2000 that this come out. And he played for Milan, AC Milan, his whole career. But he could have played for Inter Milan. But they they rejected him because of his height. And oh. they look like mugs now. Yeah, mugs. Absolute mugs. <laughs> <laughs> absolute mugs. Yeah. yeah. I believe his brother, because his brother got picked up um, by what? Inter. So they, yeah, they did get Baresi, but they, they definitely chose the wrong one there. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these guys, crazy longevity. He played 20 years at high-quality level for Milan and yeah, he got tons of caps for Italy as well. And So he won the World Cup in 82 and then I think he got to one final and one semi-final. So other than the early 30s, he's probably the most decorated player internationally for, for Italy because... That was their sort of second peak, as it were, in terms of like tournament success. He's, he had such a big impact on on a lot of players, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I thought he would have gone into kind of been a successful manager, but it's yeah, it's not really worked out for him uh, in that respect. But yeah, he'll he'll forever be remembered for for being in that great Sacchi Milan team. As, as one of the best defenders of all time. Yeah, definitely. That leads on to number one now. I'd be very surprised if we've got a different number one. Tom, if you just say what it is and me me and Jack will just say, yes, it is this guy, then we'll crack on together. At this point, I'm not sure if Jack not putting Polo on. I don't think I can trust him. <laughs> um, my number one, it is what you automatically think of when you think of Italy, when you think of defending. Yeah. Maldini. Spot on. Jack. <laughs> yeah, Maldini. Oh, yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> thank <Jeez>. Christ. <laughs> Which one, though? Which one, though? Paolo? Uh, <laughs> Paolo for me. Paolo. Paolo. Me too. Gotta be dumb. He just is Italy. He just is defending. Like, when you think of Italy, you think of Maldini. You think of defending, you think of Maldini. And he was actually quite good on the ball as well. Like most of his tackles, he would come away with the ball, which like I've played defence before, and it, I'm just happy if I kick it off for a throw on when I go in for a tackle, when I played fullback before or played sweeper. Like the amount of time I think we remember in our Eversley days when the boys come over the top or something, I had to tackle someone. If I was going for a slide tackle, it was going off for a throw. He was able to keep the ball, 
he was able to do like a little twist or turn or whatnot to get him out of trouble and then a simple pass. Start the play, yeah. But he never looked bothered by it. So Maldini has to be number one. Yeah, I think for me, definitely, uh, like you said, he just epitomises what Italian defending is. Um, he would lead his team into war, that type of player. Uh, aggressive, passionate, just solid at the back. Like we said, we, he learned off Baresi or, or was alongside him at least um, for, for many years. And I think the longevity again as an Italian player um, and his dad played for, I think, did he play for AC Milan as well? And now Maldini's son it's plays done, for AC Milan. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, to have that kind of going through, you know, I'd love that at Chelsea, you know, if, say for instance, Frank Lampard's son would play, play for Chelsea one day. That's the kind of player you want in your your squad, and to have that internationally as well, someone who would lead a whole country to like a World Cup final. Um, I don't know. He just left his mark on the game so well. Let's not forget. Let's not forget. He came through at sixteen and retired near on forty, and they mm. retired the number three shirt in his honour. That is a big yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, do you know what I hate when people compare like Van Dijk to this guy? Oh, like, that makes me sick. Van Dyke, he's done it, for, and he's not even really done it. Like he's he's done it for one season, right? And the people compare people like Van Dyke to Maldini. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's just it's sickening. But yeah, I think he's so like obviously he's so good. He, he won a total of like thirty-two trophies, trophies altogether. I think read the game so well. But I think to finish off for me anyway, that quote. That he uh, he uh, probably the most famous quote that I, I know in football. Um, he said, "If I've made a tackle, I've already made a mistake." So I think one that just shows you how much of a leader he is. As in, well, how I read into that is, if he hasn't told his team or led his team to either keep the ball or, you know, he hasn't t- organised his defence or his his midfield correctly. And if he had to make a tackle, then he's already failed. I think that's how I read it. I took that. I took it as if the position play wasn't good enough. Yeah, the position play wasn't yeah. good enough to make the interception. He had to tackle. Uh, yeah, the that's... mistake was not being able to intercept. Yeah. But yeah, it could be read so many like different ways. But I, the way the man is, you know, he possibly could be the greatest centre back ever well, played. He's not only the greatest for me. He is the greatest centre back of all time. And the greatest left back of all time. Yeah. Which is mad. Like, that's how good. Can you imagine being the best at two positions? It just, it's just that's how good he is. And his, his individual records is just off the charts. It's just ridiculous how many games he played, how many trophies he won, and how many, uh, like, European Cup finals he played in and, and things like that. And even at, I mean, even at 40, I think he got in the, the old UEFA Team of the Year when, when they won it in 2007. And That's mad. He's arguably the first name on the team sheet if you're talking about a world eleven Because he, because he can play at centre-back and left-back, you think, I've got to have this. Because a lot of people have this Messi-Maradona debate, Ronaldo-Pele debate and stuff. But in his position... I don't know. I, I don't think anyone comes close. I don't. I think the one and two here is the gap is massive. Like he's his standing in the game is crazy, really. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's just I'll, Maldini. It's, the name is very Italian as well. Like, it's, that means <laughs> nothing at the end of the day, but it's just so Italian. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a and, fair point. But it's also, as you say, like, it's the first name you really think of when it comes to, like, a, a World eleven. I can't think of any other centre-back off the top of my head that I'd put in close. John Terry. Anyway, let's carry on. Right, so... I'll be a... So, right, Tom, go through your 10 to, to 1. Uh, I'll, I'll do the same. Jack, do the same. And then we'll somehow come to the decision on what our final 10 will be. So, Tom, kick us off. My number 10 is Vieri. 9, Totti. Del Piero comes in at 8. Cannavaro at 7. Buffon at 6. Nesta, 5. Baresi four, Baggio three, Perlo two, Maldini one. So mine was Gianfranco Zola, number 10. Number nine, Silvio Paola. Number eight, Giuseppe Mieza. Number seven, Francesco Totti. Number six, Baggio. Number five, Baresi. Number four, Cannavaro. Number three, Perlo. Number two, Buffon. And number one, Maldini. My number 10 was Costa Curta. My number nine, Dino Zoff. Number eight, Cannavaro. Number seven, Buffon. Number six, Baggio. Number five, Del Piero. Number four, Totti. Number three, Miaza. Number two, Baresi. Number one, Maldini. Um, can I just start then by if we knock off ones where only one of us had them on the list? So I've got Costa Curta and Dino's off. I'd say they, they probably have got to be casted off. Yeah. Uh, Gianfranco Zola off. Good. Sorry. Um, I put um, Vieri. Did any of you put Vieri? No. no. So we take them off. That's good. No, it's, I, I do like Nesta, but I, it's a tough one. Because I know he did play a lot of games. He, he missed a lot of big football because of his injuries. Like he missed, he missed the later stages of the World Cup. That that was quite big for me. But he's he's very close, I suppose. On oh, no. I'll cross him off. Okay. All right. So we all agree Maldini's number one. Yeah. Number two. Baresi. Are we all saying Baresi? Because I've got Baresi at two. I I've got Baresi at four. I I've been convinced during this episode that Baresi. May have, like I said, he kick started. I think that centre back position, how people read the game, um, and he was with Maldini and that solid partnership. I'm happy to put him at two. I've He's been convinced on Buffon at three as well. All right. I've, I've been convinced so, he's higher. Buffon, okay. and then I'm saying I'm putting my foot in now. Perlo should be number four. Jordan, yeah, yeah. good. Perlo's number yeah. four. I've I've been outvoted there. I think. <laughs> I wasn't even going to consult you. I was not even <laughs> going to consult you, Jack. You, you, I joked about you being low in my estimates so, with the Buffon one. That's it. You're out of the water now. Oh, okay. Number five. <laughs> uh, well, what have we got? Del Piero, Baggio and Totti. And Cannavaro. And Cannavaro. Baggio could be next. Agreed. I think we, we all agree that Baggio was the, the best striker kind of playmaker at the time. Um, and yeah, if he scored that goal, he would have been much higher. Uh, so Baggio, number five. Del Piero? No, totally over Del Piero for me. What about Cannavaro? Mm, mm, Cannavaro, Cannavaro goes seventh. Del Piero and then Cannavaro? What about Totti? Yeah, you lot, yeah I'll, 
I think top in the league, Totty was Totty was considered better. Go on, Cannavaro number six. I'd I'd have I'll have Cannavaro at six if we have Totty at seven. Happy with that. And, better than Delpierro. Yeah. Del really. Yeah. Jordan, there wasn't you, much in it. Totty was better than Del Piero. I didn't have Del Piero on my list. Now Totty on there. You didn't even have Del Piero on your list. Nah. Jordan, you're dead to me. And then right. number nine, I mean, Tom hasn't got this guy, but Giuseppe Miazza yep. has got to make the top ten. Okay, so which leaves number ten spot, Paola? I prefer Nesta. That's fine, I'm, I'm happy with Nesta, because I still respect his game as well. I mean, he was prevalent in my childhood as well. Right, so I think we've got a final list here, lads. Number ten, Nesta. Nesta. Number nine, Miazza. Miazza. Number eight, Del Piero. Number seven, Totti. Number six, Cannavaro. Number five, Baggio. Number four, Perlo. Number three, Buffon. Number two, Baresi. And number one, Maldini. Can I make a one suggestion for a change? No. N- yes. Um, can we move Baresi below Perlo and shift Buffon up to two and Perlo up to three? No. No. Really? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> really? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we've got two centre-backs at one and two. Because that's, 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 that's what it is. They're, the best, they're two of the oh. best back. It's the best back five. And, I mean, as, as good as Costa Curta was, and oh. Tosotti was as well, it's them, it's them two that really make it the oh. best back oh. four of all I'll time. Them. <laughs> all right, do you know what? Yeah, well... Is what it is, Tom. From what I've taken from that, is Italians have always had a consistent style of play. Like, they've always had a strong defensive back line, as you can see from the number of defenders in the in the list, and which typically wouldn't be the case in any, in any other international top ten, I suppose. Yeah. So, um, Brazil was full of strikers, wasn't it? Um, or you know, playmakers or wingers. Where this one, you would I don't think you'd have any other international team where you'd have two centre-backs as your best players ever. Also, another thing I noticed, rarely, as an Italian squad, had a player that played outside of Italy. So you look at that list, maybe Cannavaro? Yeah, even that was only for two or three years. So that's something that Italy's got right. And and I think it probably correlates to where Italy fell off. I think Italy have always had those players in Italy. And then maybe past 2006... Now, you look at the Italian squad now and after that, so you have Jorginho playing in Chelsea, you have, I don't know, Verratti playing in, in France, I think Immobile. Balotelli. Balotelli, you know, yeah. yeah, they all went Germany, England, France, wherever, Spain. They haven't stuck to the traditional Italy, plays in Italy, and we work as a team and, you know, you, you understand the style of play. And I think that's what I've noticed in this list, all these players stayed in Italy. Which I don't know, it, it, something to take out of that. Um, I think we we mentioned in the Brazil team as well that you know they haven't got a star player that that flair player apart from um, Neymar. I think with this Italian team, I don't think they've got a leader. I think I, I'm not quite sure who the, their captain is. Um, but no, that's the thing. Yeah, you yeah. don't even know who it is these days. This is what I mean. So looking at that Italian team now, and looking at this list. All of these would have been leaders and all of them would have played in Italy and wore Italy on their sleeve. So, I don't know, something to take from that. And the final thing I've taken is longevity. 
Italian that's just last forever. I don't know. It's, it's... <laughs> not just in football, though, is it? All right. <laughs> it's, it's generally, they're just yeah. their style, lifestyle. Yeah, and luckily, I'm going to get married to one, so, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm sorted for life. But yeah, boys, I like that. It's nice to see a change in the list that's not just strikers all the time. I'm not talking about strikers. It's, it's good to see a couple of defenders up there. But we move on. We move on to this week's shout-out. And I suppose we're keeping in with the Italian theme, kind of. I think this is where, for me, Italian, Italian 90, um, 90s football, the 90s Italian players were always major stars. We talked about the Maldinis, uh, Totti. Probably came off the late 90s onto the scene, so you Del Piero's. This week's shout out is 90s football on Twitter, so that's at 90s football. So, content on there is, is I don't know for you, but nostalgia wise, I love yeah. when I'm scrolling through Twitter. Oh, seeing, I love it. Seeing like old games and you know, watching, I don't know, like for instance, they have like a game versus Norway in 1998, which I wouldn't typically go out and watch myself, but. Just to see that, like the old school, like kind of commentary and the old school like, video, yeah, it's just, it's the just kids, brilliant. Kids, is that, exactly. What I'm saying is this: this this account just brings back hella memories, man, and nostalgia. And some of the pictures on there, I mean, you'd think the pictures, picture quality would be terrible from the nineties, not terrible, terrible, but these are like full high high definition pictures from the nineties. So I don't know. It's just it's really nice to to see. That kind of nostalgia being brought back and people on Twitter will be loving it and definitely check them out. So that's at 90s football. You'll see it. It's got the old, I think it's the French. Uh, yeah, mas- the French World Cup mascot. Yeah, I can't remember his name. We tried to get that name last time, didn't we, Jack? Um, <laughs> yeah. We called him Pascal, I think. But yeah, at 90s football. Brilliant, brilliant content on there. So check them out. Jack, leads on to next week. Yeah, so next week, we're going to be listing our top five left-footed football players of all time. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I think there's there's two or three that automatically come to mind for me, but actually making sure they're in the right order is, is going to be difficult. I think, yeah, it'd be nice to, to get that one. You never know, we might see someone that was on the list today uh, feature. Yeah, and uh, I think we've got a, a left-footed guest, potentially. Oh. Also, I don't know. Yeah, I'll leave it there. Bellissimo. Grazie, boys. Grazie. Remember, just comment and subscribe. You know, share with your friends, family, whatever. We've got the socials as well. So at FTLOL Podcast, Instagram, Twitter. Jump on it at FTLOL Podcast. But one thing you always have to remember. What is it? Keep it FTLOL. Boys, thank you. Peace out and ciao. See you next week for another For the Love of List segment. Remember to follow our Twitter at FTLOL Podcast and to like, comment and subscribe.